Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Happy Tuesday and welcome on into another episode of Rethink Reshoring. I'm Kaylee Nix here with Rosemary Coates from the Reshoring Institute to talk a little bit about reshoring, what's going on in the world, and specifically to hang out a little bit at the Texas-Mexico border today. Rosemary, great to have you back with us again. You just got back from a trip down to the border. So before we get into it, how was your trip? Did you have a great time? And are you glad to be back? Yeah, I took uh, one of our interns from the Reshoring Institute uh, and we went to visit uh, Laredo, which was just fantastic. I mean, we learned so much about the port and what's going on down there. And Laredo is such an important port um, to the U.S. to U.S. commerce, U.S.-Mexico commerce. Uh, and so we learned all kinds of good things about what's going on. So, yeah, be, I'm excited to talk about it also. So we're going to dive in to your trip to border crossings in general and to some of the very hot button topics that are really timely and are really affecting the movement of goods across the U.S.-Mexico border right now. But before we get there, of course, this is Rethink Reshoring. And so let's give a little bit of a refresher, maybe for some of our newer viewers who are hanging out with us about reshoring versus nearshoring. We hear a lot of companies talking about their initiatives to reshore operations from China or Asia, bringing them back to the United States. But a lot of companies are taking the opportunity to nearshore instead and come back to Mexico. What is making that deciding factor between nearshoring or reshoring really looking like for a lot of these companies and how are they choosing to do that? Yeah, well, a lot of companies are um, still concerned about low-cost labor and low-cost operations, and so they're looking for alternatives to China. Uh, and that oftentimes ends up not being the U.S. It's just, it's more expensive, obviously, to manufacture here. The labor rates are higher and so forth. So Mexico is a good option. As we've talked about before, one of the critical things is for a company to understand its own cost structures. So depending on how much labor they have <clears throat> that it takes to produce their product, they may want to look at a low-cost labor market like Mexico. And we know from a, a study we did last year that Mexico, India, and Vietnam were the three sort of cheapest areas of the world to for industrial manufacturers at this point. And Mexico is right down there at the bottom in terms of cost. So the labor cost, particularly in central Mexico, is very low. And that makes it very attractive for companies that are producing products that have a high labor content. Now, if you have a fully automated operation, you've got machines and robots and that sort of thing, you can kind of manufacture anywhere uh, because the labor is um, extracted from that profile. So uh, it isn't so costly if you're just running machines. But if you have labor, then Mexico seems like an ideal situation. And then the other thing about Mexico is that they are industrialized pretty much. They have a fairly sophisticated 
manufacturing profile and, of course, close to the U.S. So that attractiveness of Mexico has led to just a massive amount of growth, particularly in those northern Mexican states that share the border. And of course, Texas is the biggest state that shares the longest and largest border with Mexico out of all of your uh, southwest United States states. With this, there are ample opportunities for border crossings all the way from the the points of Reynosa and Hermosa Hermosa down there in the corners of uh, Brownsville all the way up to Laredo to Eagle Pass to El Paso right there on the Texas-Mexico-New Mexico border. Laredo is one of those cities that has really seen explosive growth, particularly in the last year and a half to two years. And it's become, I think, beating out Los Angeles for two or three consecutive months, the most used or the most goods through that port in the United States. How is this happening and why is Laredo actually so important right now? Yeah, it's astonishing. I'll tell you, I mean, we had been hearing some things about this. Of course, we're watching trends, watching Chinese companies relocate to Mexico, watching cross-border commerce, looking at the effects of USMCA, all of that. And Laredo keeps popping up as being so important. Um, And turns out Laredo is the largest by far land port in the U.S. Um, And so, you know, the other ports around it are um, somewhat less, but still growing. Um, It's a growing trend to try to get manufacturing done in Mexico. And so the border crossings are incredibly important. The thing about Laredo is, is that they they have done some planning. They did a pretty good job um, of planning several years ago. And so the border crossing in Laredo is fairly automated and sophisticated. And the same is true for Otay Mesa in east of San Diego. They have a pretty sophisticated crossing. But I'll tell you what, and Laredo was astonishing. I mean, we stood at the, um, the truck crossing uh, for about a half an hour and did just watch the trucks come through. Um, the way it works is when you're going into Mexico, um, documents are filed in advance by the U.S. customs broker or freight forwarder. Uh, the facial recognition of the driver is already loaded into the system. Uh, the truck information is already loaded. So when the truck brings that load um, across the border, they slow down to about 20 miles an hour. They don't idle unless there's a backup of some kind, but generally they don't idle. They move right across the border. The electric scanners scan, weigh the, weigh the load. They scan the equipment. They uh, acknowledge facial recognition for the driver. They match it up with the documentation, and that driver just sails right through into Mexico. Um, They told us that it takes about 15 seconds or so to do that clearance, and it's over. It's done. Um, Coming back the other way is pretty fast also. Mexico has also improved their uh, scanning capabilities and so forth. Uh, But you have to deal with U.S. Customs coming the other direction, so there's a little bit more of a delay. But I got to tell you, I mean, these trucks were whizzing through that border crossing. It was jaw-dropping, astonishing, really. Uh, and then, and then they told us that there are, they process. <clears throat> you ready for this? Fourteen thousand trucks per day. And wow. I had to ask two or three times to make sure it was accurate. I'm like, per day, not for a week or month. No, no, no. Fourteen thousand trucks per day. And of course, the goodness is there's very little idle time where, you know, trucks aren't standing in line. If you go to Otay Mesa, you'll see long lines of trucks waiting to cross the border. 
And of course, you know, when a, a truck is in idle time, um, they're not only burning fuel, they're polluting the environment, and they're not making any money because they're not driving. So trying to reduce that kind of wait time and idle time is, is really good for everybody. So hearing about this, of course, we can't get away from the news recently that we've seen border crossing times outside of the Laredo space, out towards Eagle Pass, Texas, and El Paso, Texas, that southwest corner of Texas, where border times, where border wait times have been upwards of 10 to 12, even 16 hours recently. Yeah. A lot of that has to do with the fact that the Texas Department of Safety is implementing secondary inspections on top of inspections done by U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. We've talked about this a lot with Noemi. Mahoney, our Borderlands reporter here at Freight Waves. Why do you think that we're seeing such a big discrepancy of these increased inspections in Eagle Pass and in El Paso, and we're not necessarily seeing that same backup happen at Laredo? Is it just the fact that they have put a lot of money into their infrastructure, expanding the bridges, expanding the technology, or is there a true discrepancy of inspections and where they're happening in Laredo? It just happens to not be one of those crossings that is seeing the increased scrutiny. Yeah, well, it's a little bit uneven. Um, it so happens that Laredo is at a point on the Rio Grande that is not an easy crossing. So there is um, less migrant traffic in Laredo, far less migrant traffic in Laredo, and probably less contraband coming because of that. But also, uh, you know, I think as, as you look along the border at these different points, some of them have aging infrastructure. Let's take Eagle Pass, for example. We actually did a program uh, last week on the new Piedras Megras, uh, I'm sorry, Puerto Verde crossing between Piedras Negras and Eagle Pass. And this is a planned, um, sophisticated border crossing that will ease up some of that traffic. But today, Eagle Pass has kind of some rickety old bridges and, you know, there's a lot of wait time and congestion going through actually the city of Eagle Pass. So, you know, there's long range planning for new bridges and new infrastructure that's uh, in the works. And also some of the infrastructure bill that was passed um, last year will address some of these bridges and roads and, and crossing information or crossing infrastructure that needs to be improved. But in the meantime, we're also seeing a significant rise in manufacturing in Mexico. So we've got, um, I think, uh, they told us in Laredo they're growing at about 20% per year. So just think about that. 20% per year. I mean, holy cow, that's a lot of growth to be able to handle and to make sure you get those trucks um, moving along. And the same is true along all the borders. Now, if you go all the way down to Brownsville, that's more of a uh, more of an ocean port. So they bring in ocean containers and there are other issues regarding uh, import and export with ocean containers. So it just sort of depends on the port and the border crossing and also the commodities that are coming across the border. Um, Laredo happens, the top um, commodity coming across the border, both directions, both export as well as import um, in Laredo is automotive. So you see a lot of automotive parts coming back and forth and that may be part of the reason for, um, you know, a little more efficiency because of the kind of products that are coming across the board, across the border. But even with that, I mean, you know, immigration gets all the press, but actually, if you, you know, the actual commerce across the border is so, so mind blowing, fast moving, 
I'm growing. It's just amazing. And that's because all of this reshoring is now happening from Asia. So much more manufacturing in Mexico that are, that's coming across the border into the U.S. One of the great benefits of Laredo and the port specifically is that that is the southern terminus of Interstate 35. And 35 is that main corridor that runs from Texas, ending at Laredo, and goes all the way up into Oklahoma. It's just a straight shot through the majority of your major cities. You go through San Antonio, into Austin, into Waco, up into the Fort Worth area. Then you rejoin north of Dallas after you take that split. So it gets you straight up Texas through a very main artery, and it gives you three or four opportunities then to split off east and west, depending on where you end up. Can you talk a little bit about how this benefits specifically truck traffic coming through Laredo? And if there are any other modes that see a big input in this as well as intermodal one that I think would come to mind, especially with some of the expansions that some of our class one railroads are thinking about as well. Yeah, so we, we also had a chance to see the rail bridge in Laredo. So, and that's also undergoing, undergoing some improvements. Um, yeah, so rail, rail is more focused on big commodities like coal and a bulk um, sort of passage. Uh, the trucks are doing LTL kind of stuff. Uh, while it may be a full truckload, it's, you know, uh, crates and crates of automotive parts, that sort of thing. It's a little bit different than, than rail that's more focused on bulk. But both are growing, for sure. So rail passage. Now, the 35 corridor is essential uh, to what's happening with Laredo. Because of that corridor, both straight up to through the U.S., um, the uh, ease and the ability to uh, to uh, then further deliver products into the U.S. is really important. And so uh, making sure that that's a big artery, well-maintained, um, expanding and so forth is key uh, to the to the import process. So, you know, while we'd like to have everything manufactured in the U.S., it's that's not realistic. And we need to also look for low-cost alternatives. So we're going to continue to have this kind of cross-border traffic and movement into the U.S. So when we were in Laredo, we were shown um, a video clip of uh, trucks. They did a little experiment. They um, put... Uh, sensors on the truck so that they could watch them for a week where the trucks went and you could see them moving up the i-35 corridor and then spinning off to these different places all across america and they showed us what happened within 24 hours and 48 hours in a week and so forth and you could see it was like a flower blooming all across the u.s there were all these different um you, you know uh, blooms that were going in all different directions it was just astonishing. I mean, everything we saw in Laredo was just amazing. Um, you've got to consider, too, Laredo is a fairly small town, uh, only about 250,000 people, I think, which is pretty small by comparison to most big cities around the U.S., and yet they handle so much of the commerce that ends up in, uh, in markets all across America and Canada. So quite amazing. Um, as you mentioned, that infrastructure, the highway, the infrastructure is really important to move that commerce along. And then, you know, one other thing, too, is, of course, is that trucks coming from Mexico and are not allowed beyond 21 miles. <clears throat> so um, coming into the U.S., Mexican trucks are not allowed to, ride, to drive on our roads except for that limited 21 miles. And at that point, they have to switch um, to American power or 
transload, crossload, um, cross-dock their shipments uh, to be reloaded onto an American trailer and so forth. So, um, so that um, is another interesting aspect because it's created all kinds of support facilities on the U.S. side. We were, oh, we drove around a lot and looked at a few distribution centers and actually toured a couple of them. And um, uh, so there's big growth. There's lots of uh, activity and like tilt up buildings and uh, docks and warehouses and cross dock operations, trucking operations, all up and down the highways there. It was um, it was just uh, an amazing eye opening kind of situation. So one of the stories most recently written by Noy Mahoney here talks a little bit about warehouse vacancy rates, specifically in our northern Mexican states, and saying that across Mexico and across Central America, you're seeing average vacancy rates between about two to three and a half percent. But specifically in those northern states and right along the border, along those cities that are, I would call them almost sister cities across the Mexican U.S.-Mexican border, they kind of mirror each other just over that border crossing. Vacancy rates of your warehouses there are anywhere between like 0.8 and 1.4%. So just very, very, very full. Is this something that we're continuing to see as well? And of course, we talk a lot about that infrastructure development with the industrial development that's going on there. But warehouses and finding that warehouse space is pretty tight. Is that tight warehouse activity reflected on the U.S. side of the border as well? Yes, um, definitely so. We, we uh, went through a warehouse that was like busting at the seams. There was so much freight waiting to go into Mexico there. Um, and so a lot of times, so what happens in logistically is that a company may stage um, a project in a warehouse in the U.S. side. So they send things from all kinds of vendors all over the place, some, some worldwide. So we saw some incoming shipments from China, for example. Um, some from the U.S., and then they collect uh, all of that uh, freight together. They assemble a a truckload shipment, and then they ship it to Mexico. So it's a a logistics operation in addition to cross-stock. So there's some gathering and associating and sometimes uh, quality inspection, that sort of thing happening. And that's true both directions. So in Mexico, the same thing. You may be gathering loads from five or six different suppliers, making a truckload and then bringing it across the border that way. So there's um, so there's requirements for a warehousing and logistics space, 3PL space, if you will, um, on both sides of the border and a significant amount of growth, as I was saying. So yeah, I mean, a, a one or 2% vacancy rate in, in warehousing is just extremely low. And so, I mean, this is a really important aspect, too, to consider that the um, economies on both sides of the border and every border crossing are really flourishing. Um, they're contributing to the economy. They're uh, helping, uh, you know, strengthen all of the economic profiles in these areas. And that's that's good for the U.S. and it's good for Mexico both. You know, it's it's one of those issues that also helps to solve the migration problem that we have is when people have well-paying jobs in their local communities, they're very less likely to immigrate. So if we can provide this kind of uh, logistics and warehousing opportunities along the border, we're, we're helping at least helping a little bit to solve the migration problem as well. So that's that's pretty exciting, too. 
So with all of this demand and the tight warehousing space and the fact that industrial real estate builds, new builds are, of course, slow to put up regardless of what that supply looks like. It, of course, comes with a price, right? And we start to see those markets get jacked up with the supply. Has that been something that folks across Laredo and then even to the northern border states have really started to deal with is the fact that cost of putting up this industrial real estate is very, very high and cost of finding existing real estate is also high? Yeah, I I don't know that much about the increase in rates. Um, you know, we have done we have had a real estate guy on on uh, this show a couple of weeks ago, um, and we know that there's a, a big growth in warehousing and and um, just in general manufacturing growth is up about thirty percent for the real estate market in the U.S. So think about that thirty percent. I mean, we are in a manufacturing super cycle. Um, there's a lot of investment going into manufacturing, and that means manufacturing facilities as well as warehousing, um, you know, all the things that support manufacturing. And it's up 30% year over year. Um, so, I mean, these are these are enormous growth rates. I mean, just huge. So, you know, if we um, invest in this kind of equipment, um, this, this kind of warehousing, this kind of uh, roads and infrastructures, this all helps manufacturing. Um, definitely in North America and specifically in the U.S. So all of that is good. Uh, obviously, when there's a lot of demand, it's going to drive up price. <clears throat> so I would expect to see some increases in prices, but I don't think that was as big a factor as just simply finding the space uh, to make sure that you have cross-stock operations in place and so forth. And remember that 21-mile limit means that all of those warehouses, cross-stock operations, um, trucking operations, uh, you know, s- switching loads, that sort of thing, all of that has to uh, be established within that 25-mile limit or 21-mile limit, I'm sorry. Uh, so, uh, you know, all of that growth is really at the border and and you can see it you can see it there's cranes everywhere there's tilt ups going on there's you know land being bulldozed it's just everywhere it's really astonishing for more on that manufacturing super cycle you can go check out our episode from september 26th and to hear a little bit more about that and i want to finish up today's episode rosemary by talking about that immigration aspect and as you mentioned the ability to support well-paying jobs in local communities because again it mirrors itself across the border right it goes both ways you have the ability for very well-paying jobs in a city like laredo that has seen explosive growth that drives people to maybe move out some of, from some of your bigger Texas cities and help develop that community. But it also helps your Mexican nationals or your migrants who are finding their way up to Mexico maybe land in that border city on the opposite side of the border crossing and find a well-paying job and find something yeah. that will help them stay and establish community there. And is that is it kind of that two-fold approach that makes reshoring or nearshoring a really, really good option is the fact that you're supporting almost two communities in one, especially if you look at utilizing a space like near Laredo. Yeah, absolutely. So that that's exactly the point um, is, you know, we want to establish well-paying jobs on both sides of the border so we can help establish uh, an economy that's growing and vibrant and people can earn a, a living wage on both sides of the border. And that's that's what's happening for sure. Um, it isn't going to make the immigration problem go away, but it certainly will help. And we'll see less desperate people and less need for 
um, for charities and, and that sort of thing, because people are going to be able to work and establish their families on both sides of the border. The immigration problem is going to pinch some of the um, some of the operations. Um, so in uh, Eagle Pass recently, the commercial crossing was shut down. The rail crossing was shut down for a couple of days, specifically because the customs agents were reassigned to immigrate immigrants uh, and they couldn't process commercial freight because of that. They had to go and uh, work on the immigration issues. Um, and then, of course, there are crossing points that are better. Eagle Pass is one of those. And Laredo, the river is very wide and swift, and so the crossing isn't isn't easy in Laredo, and that's why there aren't as, there isn't as big a immigration problem there. Uh, so, um, you know, there are uh, issues related to immigration, but you know, one of the solutions is definitely the economic growth. I mean, the more we can support manufacturing and warehousing and third-party logistics on both sides of the border, the better everybody gets in, in, in terms of their local economies. Absolutely. You feed one and the other will grow in reflection. Rosemary, thank you for joining us for yet another episode of Rethink Reshoring. For our people who want to get in contact with you guys, where can they go to find you? Yeah, the best way is to go to our website, which is www.reshoringinstitute.org. And we have a contact us uh, uh, button on that particular page. But you can also see all of our studies, all the research that we're doing, uh, case studies, white papers, um, video clips. Uh, our, this, this TV show is posted on our website, uh, as well as a whole bunch of stuff that you might be interested in learning about reshoring. Awesome. So head on over there. And of course, to find all of our episodes of Rethink Reshoring here, you can go on over to youtube.com slash FreightWaves, drop down the Rethink Reshoring tab and get caught up there. You can also find us on Apple and Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we are here every Tuesday afternoon live on FreightWaves TV. Thank you guys for sticking with us. We'll see you all next Tuesday here on FreightWaves TV and have a great rest of your day. Mm -hmm.